You're listening to Nightlight. Hi, Chris Glenn here with the latest edition of the Nightlight podcast. Today, joined by David Caran, speaking to us over Zoom from France, where he's just gotten married. Congratulations, David. And nice to have you back with us on the show. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, what a blessing. I truly am honored to be here. And thank you for setting up such an amazing platform to get the word out to so many different people. You know, as the Bible tells us, to not hide our light under a bushel, but to put it up on a candlestick to give light to the whole house. And I believe that's what your channel is doing. It's shining a light out there on the world of YouTube and getting the message out to as many people as possible. So God bless you, Chris, and keep up the good work. Shining bright through the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. So David, what's your topic for today? Well, the topic for today is something that I've just been meditating on for a while. There is a book, a really good book that came out several years ago called The One Thing. And in that book, the author talks about how In life, sometimes we can get our focus too scattered because we're going after and pursuing so many different things. But uh, it's a good practice to take one thing and focus on it for a while and try to get the most you can out of that one thing. And so he gives an example of perhaps, you know, taking one word or one concept or one thought and making that the center point of your focus for a few weeks or a few months to truly get to the bottom of it. And he says that it actually has quite a transformative power in your life. Right. So I've been trying that this year. I've been taking several of the biblical concepts or biblical words and spending time meditating on them and trying to see if I can really get to the bottom of some of these things. And so the one that I've been thinking about and wrestling with for a few months now has been these two words of Jesus, follow me. So what does it mean when Jesus asks us to follow him? Jesus was on earth for about three years of his public ministry in those three years of public ministry, inclusive of the 30 years that he spent before that. But then during those three years of public ministry, he went around calling people to follow him. Yes. And it was from his calls to follow him that the Christian movement came about. I mean, till today, as Christians, we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And the earliest Christians were not known as Christians. They were known as followers of the way or followers of Christ. And it was only in Antioch that they called them Christians because they said that, yeah, these guys follow Christ so much that they're literally like him. They're like little Christ. So that's why they're called Christians. Interesting. But today, if you meet Christians and you ask them, and you know, what makes you a Christian? Most of them will say that, yes, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. And I am doing something in my life that allows me to follow Christ. And so that made me want to spend some time just to think about it. Like, what does it mean truly to follow Jesus? Because I realized that in our modern day worlds, the term follow has got a very loose meaning. Right. I mean, you can follow anything nowadays. One example of the word follow is to follow someone on social media, for example. So you get on social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or here on YouTube, people can follow your channel. And what do you do when you follow somebody? You like what they do. You find them interesting. 
you think that they have something interesting to offer to your life, whether it's entertainment or knowledge or a bit of stuff that they can't get anywhere else that they seem to get from you. And so they follow you. They like your posts. They see your updates. They enjoy the stuff they do. And it's a kind of almost like a non-committal form of enjoyment. There's no obligation to it. There is no no ties. And you're free at any point to unfollow them. Right. Right. If something you don't like something they do, they say something that goes against what you agree with or something that goes against the overall morality of the crowd or the way that things are trending in the world, you have the freedom to, okay, unfollow and leave. That's one way of follow. There's another thing that another way of following, such as if you're following a news story, if you're following a news story, you get regular updates about it, you do your research into it, you get like totally caught up in this new thing that's happening in the world, and you kind of get very involved with it. But as soon as the news shifts, and a new news story comes up, you jump into that one, and once again, dig into it and try to get the most stuff out of it. You're following it basically for your own self-interest, for your own self-edification, trying to get the most out of it in a way that helps you to feel connected with that particular event. There's another form of following in our modern day world, and that is the following of trends. Right. Right. If you're on any of the social media platforms, especially platforms like Instagram or TikTok, where they have these influencers and they do these things called these trends or these challenges and people copy them and they have different ways of showing that they're aligned with this trend. So, for example, everyone wears a certain type of clothing or everyone adopts a certain type of speech or everyone portrays certain types of mannerisms in their conversations or everyone participates in certain kinds of challenges. Challenges. And it's usually started by an influencer and a celebrity and other people go and copy it. And so all of these concepts are there within our word follow. Right. But I do not believe that that's the kind of following that Jesus is calling us to. For sure. I don't believe that Jesus came to earth to ask people to simply like his posts subscribe to his ideas, kind of go along with him and get invested in the stuff that he's doing. But as soon as stuff starts getting a little bit difficult, they have the freedom to kind of check out and say, okay, well, unfollow. Or, you know, perhaps I'll snooze your posts for the next 30 days. Or perhaps maybe I will unfollow you and go follow after something else for a bit and I'll come back. No, if you go and look at the Gospels and you look at the way that Jesus called his disciples, you look at the interactions that he had with everyone, it was nothing less than a total and complete commitment that Jesus was asking. That's right. And if you read, especially the, the first part of the Gospel of Matthew, especially chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, and in that, he calls his followers to such a high standard of living, and he tells them repeatedly that unless you're willing to give your entire life to this and allow me to change your entire way of being and your entire way of acting and even your entire way of thinking and feeling, you can't really be my follower. And so it's very different than the kind of concept that we have today. Right. So... Faced with this type of following, it raises certain kinds of questions within us, right? If someone's going to come up to us and say, hey, follow me, we're going to ask these questions. All right, where are we going? Yes. What can I bring with me when I go? You know, how far do we have to go? And how long are we going to be gone for? 
you know, what is it going to cost me to go with you? And what's in it for me? What am I going to get back in return? Yes. And these are natural questions that come to each one of our minds. If someone walked up to you today, Chris, sitting in your seat and saying, hey, Chris, come follow me. I think that one of these questions is definitely going to be on your mind. Okay, where are we going? How far are we going? Um, what, what am I going to get back into it? What's the agenda of our trip? Right. But if you go through the Gospels, Jesus never answers any of these questions to his followers. Where are we going? Do you know that Jesus never tells his disciples where they're going? It's true. In never the passages when he says, follow me, does he say, follow me because we're going to the other side of the lake? Or follow me because we're going into this town and place? Or follow me because we're going over there? He never does. He always leaves it open-ended. And I believe there's a really good reason for that, because if he would have told them where following him was going to lead, no one would have followed him. It's true. Because every single person who followed him were led into a completely different style of life that eventually would cost them their life. Like you look at the 12 apostles, 11 of them were martyred. And the 12th guy, John, they attempted to execute him and he wouldn't die. They attempted to boil him in oil and he was saved from his own execution because the Lord wasn't finished with him. The Lord actually still needed him to write the book of Revelations. And so he was exiled to the island of Patmos. And while he was there, he received the visions, which became the book of Revelations. Right. So all of the apostles and all of the followers of Jesus generally ended up with a pretty bad outcome. And so he didn't tell them at the beginning where they were going. And there's one very interesting conversation that takes place between Jesus and Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. And Peter says, I, Lord, I will follow you. And Jesus says, yes, you will follow me, but it's going to cost you your life. And then he says, whoa, well, what's going to happen with John? What's going to happen with this guy? What's going to happen with the other disciples? And Jesus looks at him and says, if I want something completely different to happen to them than what happens to you, what difference does that make? You're supposed to be following me. And I think that King James puts it brilliantly where it says, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Yes. So then there's another question. Well, what do I bring? Well, he does kind of talk about this occasionally. What does he say? Forsake everything and follow me. Not all the time to everybody, but generally in every conversation that he has with the people he's called to follow him, it usually requires them having to leave behind something that is dearest to them. For some people, it's their career. For some people, it's their job. For some people, it's their family. For some people, it's those that they love the most. But it generally costs the something that you hold very dear. How long will he be gone for? Well, he doesn't answer this either. Instead, there is an almost form of urgency in every single one of his requests. Every time he says, follow me, it's usually a, he wants a speedy decision to be made. There's a kind of urgency that you, this is a decision that you have to take. You have to think about it. You have to consider about it, but you can't be on the fence for too long about it because this is such a crucial decision. Right. But then Lord, then how far do we have to go? What will it cost me? What will I get in return? In meditating on all these different questions, I realized that these are very significant questions to us, but they're very significant to us in our modern age, because in our modern age that we live, we have this concept that every individual is master of their own fate and lord of their own destiny. 
And every single human being is the one ultimately responsible for their own lives. We are the source of our own decisions. We are the source of our own happiness. We are the source of our own purpose. We are the source of our own meaning. And therefore, if anyone asks us, you know, to come follow us and to come trust us with their life, our response is, hey, but this is my life. This life belongs to me. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be in control. I deserve all these different things. So why don't you give me your agenda? And then I will tell you whether or not it's something that I align with. Because at the end of the day, I'm living this life for me. My goal in life is to be happy. My goal in life is to be fulfilled. My life is my own. But if you live long enough, and you've been around this planet for enough rotations, you will know the absolute futility of trying to control one's own life and destiny in the pursuit of happiness and meaning. Right. It's been proven so many times, again and again and again, that a life that is lived for oneself and one's own definition of happiness and one's own definition of what will bring me purpose or what will give me some sort of meaning generally ends up to be some of the most miserable lives around. It's true. And that's why you see the people who tend to be the most fiercely independent or the ones who are very, very self-centered, they are the ones who end up the most miserable. And uh, Viktor Frankl, in his incredible book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is a book that I recommend every single person get at some point and read. I mean, Viktor Frankl was a survivor of the Nazi camps. He was there for 12 years. And then after that, he founded a branch of psychology called logotherapy, which is basically the, the science and psychology of meaning. And what he basically had to say is, at the end of our days, true happiness comes from having some sort of meaning in our lives. It's true. Without meaning, there can be no happiness. Without purpose, we can never, ever find true happiness and fulfillment because it doesn't exist within ourselves. We have to find it in something that we are aligned to. But that meaning has to come from a cause that is greater than yourself and outside yourself. Yes. And so the way to find meaning and happiness in life is to eventually align yourself with something that is going to give you meaning. And that meaning has to come from something greater than yourself and something outside yourself. You can be happy in small ways. You can find joy in small ways. But if you want your life to have purpose, it has to be aligned with something greater and something outside of you. So this is why. Coming back in the circle, this is why the people who often seem the most self-centered and the ones who are very wrapped up in themselves, they are also some of the most passionate about certain kinds of causes or certain types of trends. And they're the ones who are most likely to become like very strong social media activists or you know social justice warriors because they desperately feel a need to be involved with something. And so they find a cause that they can be very passionate about and they find a cause that they can get very behind and feel very justified by and feel very motivated by. However, they usually follow these kind of causes in the ways that we currently consider following. 
we find a cause, we like it, we get very invested in it, we get throw all our weight behind it. And then as soon as that cause kind of falls a little bit by the wayside, or that person kind of falls out of public appeal, or the trend kind of shifts, we jump wholeheartedly into the next thing, because human beings are always looking for that meaning that comes from outside of us and something that is greater than us. That's right. And if true meaning comes from something outside of us, and if true happiness comes from pursuing a cause that is greater than us, what greater happiness and meaning could there be in this world than to pursue the cause of God? Amen. Who is greater than everyone and who is the creator of everything, life, hope, meaning, happiness, and joy in everything. All of this is found in him. And that is what he calls us to. That is what he extends when he says, come and follow me. Praise God. But he's not saying, follow me like a trend, or follow me like a news story, or follow me like it's someone that you've met on social media. He says, follow me with your life. Once again, we come back to those questions. All right, Lord, where are you going to take us? What do you want us to do? Where are we going to go? How long are we going to be gone for? That's the wrong questions. Why? Because what does he say? He says, follow me. And so the questions where most of us get wrapped up in is we get stuck on the follow question. But the question is not about the following. It's about who are we following? That's right. You know, when we want to actually think and meditate on this concept of following, I think the best way to describe what it means to follow Jesus is to consider a marital relationship. Right. And this is something that I recently became very well acquainted with. Right. When you get married to someone, it's not, okay, well, how long are we going to get married for? Is it, well, where are we going to go? What are you going to do with our lives? Is it going to be, okay, well, we'll commit to each other for a little bit. And then after a while, yeah, I don't think so. I'll kind of go somewhere else. No. Marriage is a free decision of two parties to give themselves fully and totally to one another. That's right. No one's forcing you into it. Most places in the free and civilized world, thank God, marriage is something that is a free decision that is made. And it's two parties coming together and deciding that I like you. More than that, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to say yes to you. And it's a decision to give yourself so fully and totally to someone else that a yes to them becomes a no to everything else. Right. A definite yes made to your partner is a no to everything else. It is a single choice that eradicates all other possible choices that you could have made. It's when two people come together and say, you know what? I don't care where life's going to take us. I don't care what's going to happen to us. I don't care where things are going to go. I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to love the things you love. 
I'm going to do the things you do. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to stick with you in good times and in bad times, in sickness or in health, until death do us part. That's my commitment to you, because I love you. It's not, well, I commit to you to follow you until inconvenience do us part. And as soon as it gets inconvenient, then, okay, bye. Or until a better option do us part. Okay, we're going to get married, we're going to be together. But as soon as an upgrade, as soon as Model 2.0 comes by, as soon as someone who's slightly better, you know, fits all my criteria, then I'm going to go move over there. No, it's a permanent agreement that I am sticking with you forever. Yes. Do I know where it's going to lead? No. Do I know what's going to be ahead? No. Do I know that things will always be good? No. Do I know what's going to happen to our lives as a result? No. Does it matter? No. Because it is a commitment. And that is the commitment that the Bible calls us to when it calls us to be followers of Jesus. That is the commitment that we are called to when Jesus calls us to go after him. It's so much more than a simple, Jesus, I accept you as my savior. It's deeper than that. It is Jesus, I commit my life to you. And I commit to follow you wherever you may go, in sickness or in health, until the end of my life. I will not look for alternatives. I will not be yours in name only, but then go after other pursuits. I will not be called by your name and yet have nothing to do with you. So that if people look at me, they wouldn't know that I am yours. Instead, I will commit myself to you. My life, my time, my will, my everything. And this is what it means to follow Jesus. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Chris, could you, if you have your Bible handy, can you please read Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27? And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, so what's he talking about here? Is he saying that, okay, this is how people know that you're my disciples, by the fact that you hate everyone else around you? No. That's nonsense. In other places, he very clearly says that our Christians are known by our love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love to another. That was a very, very specific declaration made by Jesus. A new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So what's he talking about here? What he's saying is, compared to the love that you have for me, none of these other loves matter. That's right. You know, when you're married, you still love your family. You still love your brothers and sisters. You still love your parents. You still love your friends. 
you're still going to have a great time hanging out with your friends. You're still going to have a great time hanging out with your peers. You're still going to have a great time at family reunions with your mom, your dad, and your siblings. Right. But when you are married to someone, you put them above all else. Their happiness means more to you than anyone else's happiness. Their love means more to you than anyone else's love. Yes. You put them above your friends, above your family, above your own wishes, and even your own desires. Because ultimately, what you desire is the best for the two of you. Your wants and desires start to change from being individualistic to being as two people become one. And so when you're married, you still love and respect the people around you. You still spend time with the people around you. You still love the life that you have with them. Of course. But the love that you have together always comes above everything else. And that is the calling that Jesus gives us, that you should still love your life. You should still love your family. You should still love the things you do. You should still have all that. But your ultimate devotion and your ultimate passion and your ultimate desire should be to me first. Amen. So where are we going? What can you bring? How far do you have to go? How long will you be gone? What will it cost you? What will you get in return? Wrong question. Who are you following? And once you know the who, the other questions fall into safe hands. This is why Jesus says many times, take time to count the cost of this decision. Think about it. Get to know who I am. Get to know who you're going to spend the rest of your earthly life following. If you're going to get married, you don't just get married on a whim. At least I hope you don't. Right. Generally, the marriages that get that take place on a whim, like Bruno Mars says, you know, it's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. If we wake up, we want to break up. It's cool. I don't blame you. It was fun while it lasted. It's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. You take the time to make sure you really want to spend the rest of your life with this person. You want to make sure that they are trustworthy, that they are dependable. You want to make sure that you guys align together. You want to make sure that you can trust and believe in their character because who they are means more than any of these other questions. And that is why the Gospels present us with just the incredible picture and vision of who Jesus was, which is why in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes a declaration to the people who would follow him. Chris, could you read Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and he shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay, so when Jesus calls them to come to him, this is what he says. He says, come to me, all you are wearied and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am meek and lowly in heart. I am humble, and I am gentle. And in me, you will find that rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is why the Bible continually calls us to come to Jesus and learn of him, to understand his nature, to understand his character. Why? So we can be more knowledgeable, 
so we can tick things off our list and say, oh, I know this XYZ trivia about Jesus or the Bible? Of course, no. No. So we can understand who he is. And in understanding that great and incredible love that he bestowed upon us, that we as frail, mortal, sinful human beings should actually be called children of God. I mean, what an honor. Knowing the love that he bestowed upon us and understanding just how deeply he committed to us, then we can trust and know that, yes, this is someone worth dedicating my life to. This is someone worth following through till the end. This is someone who I will give everything for because they love me and I love them. And Paul talks about this in the book of 2 Timothy. Chris, if you can read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Okay, so Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, you've heard the stories that I've been in prison. Hey, you've heard the stories that stuff isn't going difficult for me. Hey, you've heard the stories that I've been suffering. Hey, you've heard the stories of all the different things that I've been experiencing, and they're true. But you know what? doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. All of these things are part and parcel of the calling that he gave me. He called me to be his minister to the Gentiles. He called me to be someone to spread his word through the world. And so because of that, of course, there's going to be some afflictions. Because of that, of course, there is going to be some problems. Because of that, of course, there's going to be some difficulties. But you know what? I am not ashamed of that. Why? Because I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Because I know who I am following, and because of I know the love that is manifested in him, all of this is bearable. All of this is, in fact, a joy to go through. I'm not afraid of it, for I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of peace of mind. Why? Because I know his love. Yes. And that's where the challenge comes down to us. If you read the words of Jesus and you see the calling that he has extended to you and you're like, okay, well, I'd love to just jump on that for a bit. I'd love to follow you for a little while. I'd love to just, you know, subscribe to the things that you're doing. But as soon as it gets a little bit difficult, I'm going to come back away. 
And then you realize that, no, it is going to be difficult because it is guaranteed to us by the Lord that in this world, you are going to have tribulation. It is going to be kind of difficult. And then you're like, whoa, I didn't really sign up for this. I was kind of hoping for, you know, some like inspiration. I was coming here hoping for knowledge. I was coming here hoping for the joy of the spirit that's coming in all this way. I didn't sign up for that. You're following in the wrong way. Okay, but I don't know if I can really follow Jesus in the way that he wants to be followed. I don't know if I'm ready to commit my life to this. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Do you know him? Do you know who you have believed in? Because if you do, then you will be persuaded that he is able to keep you and your life and all of those you love in his wonderful and incredible grace. If you know and love him, all the rest will work itself out because you're not following an idea. You're not following a creed. You're not following words from an old text. You're following the God of the universe, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. John says, look at him. Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one who first loved us. And as a response to that love, we follow. And that is why Paul says in book of Romans chapter 12, he says that in light of everything that God has done for us, once you truly understand and once you truly grasp who he is, the only reasonable response is to give your whole life to it yes this is your reasonable service as paul says and it's reasonable why because he is worth it because of the love that he has bestowed if this is something that makes you afraid if it's something that causes your heart to worry get to know him better like paul says understand his love, dive deep into his love, because perfect love casts out all fear. And it is that love that gives us confidence and a peace of mind. Inspiring you to love and serve Jesus more. You're listening to Night Light. And to close, I just want to say one thing. When two people get married, when two people enter into a relationship together, it's not one person that does all the committing. It's not one person that does all the giving and all the sacrificing. It is not one person who does all the work and the other side says, yeah, and slacks off. No, when you commit yourself to a partner, they commit themselves to you. When you commit to follow them, they commit to following you. When you give your life to Christ, it is because he has already given his life to you. He gave up everything for you. And he promised that he would always be with us. Can you read uh, from Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 20, Chris? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. 
Amen. Oh, behold, get this straight. Know this from the bottom of your being. I am with you always, even till the end of the world. That is his promise. That is his commitment. That is what he extends to us. And he asks us to step into that, to enter into that walk with him. Where are we going? I don't know. Does it matter? No. What can you bring? I don't know. It doesn't matter? No. How far do you have to go? I don't know. Do you need to know? No. How long will you be gone for? What will it cost you? What will you get in return? I don't know. But do you need to know? No. What do you need to know? You need to know him. You need to know the love of the Father, the love that stepped out of heaven into this world, into your life. For God so loved the world, he says, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And not just in the world to come, but in this moment now, in everything that you do, in everything that you experience, in every moment that you are currently going through, he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He has given himself to you totally. He has promised that his spirit will always abide with you. He promises that his presence will always go with you. He has promised to be by your side. And he asks but one thing, will you follow? Thanks, Chris. And thank you so much, David Karan. And please check below for the link to David's Patreon platform, Dive Deep with Dave. At the time of this posting, we're heading up towards 100,000 subscribers. And thanks to all of you who have subscribed, as well as shared this channel with others. Besides the Nightlight podcasts, you'll find a wide variety of devotionals and audiobooks on this channel, which I've recorded over the past few years. So please take time to look around and explore. Well, I'm going to check out now, and I look forward to being back with you very soon for another Nightlight podcast. Until then, may God bless and keep you following Him. Bye for now.